It's Friday the 15th of October. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's top headlines. Access to a healthy environment is now a human right. Nobel Prize awarded to climate scientists. And we have all the budget news and discuss some wildly different opinion polls. And also coming up in this week's show, we hear more about the link between Amazon data centers and a Donegal bog slide. Ellen explains the biodiversity crisis. Kara gets a sustainability tip from Alex Kanyechka. And we begin our collaboration with Irish Doctors for the Environment. Hello everyone and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn and thanks so much to those of you who tuned in for our first episode last week and reached out to us on social media with some great feedback. We're trying to act as a one-stop shop for climate information for the next couple of months, so we'll have some interviews, explainers and our event guide in every episode. As always, we start with this week's news... And joining me in the newsroom are Anna Pringle and Kira Tiernan. And we're going to start with a story about the UN declaring the right to a clean and healthy environment a human right. And Kira, I actually can't believe that this wasn't a human right before. Oh my God, Dara, yeah. I mean, when you think about the other human rights that are out there, um, access to safe housing, water, food, um, and education, I mean, it seems like, of course, a safe and clean environment would be a part of that. Um, but the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, um, said that she was um, calling for it for a long time and felt gratified now because the decision clearly recognizes that environmental degradation and climate change are interconnected human rights crises. Yeah, yeah. And she she went on to say about the importance of taking bold action now. So it's great that this human right is now down there on paper, but she's saying we need to push for transformative economic, social and environmental policies that will protect people and nature. Absolutely. Hopefully the resolution will springboard that into action. And slightly related to that then, Anna, we had some climate scientists being awarded a Nobel Prize last week. Yes, Dara, we did. Um, Three scientists received the Nobel Prize in physics, and I think it's the first time that climate scientists have been explicitly recognised for their work. And it's all about, a lot of the work is about understanding how the Earth's climate is changing and pinpointing the effect of human behaviour on those changes. So it does really relate back to the human rights issue as well, because all of those things are so connected. And in particular, what one of the scientists said in a speech then this week... Yes, so Italian physicist Giorgio Parisi, um, he was actually talking to a COP26 meeting in Italy of parliamentarians there. And he made very clear to that meeting that he sees the increase in GDP and the focus on the economy as absolutely in contrast with climate goals and achieving climate goals. Yeah, so to take it back to that human right um, and the call for bold action to push transformative economic policies This Nobel Prize winning physicist is saying we need huge changes in our economic policy that better aligns with the physical reality of the world that we're living in to actually deliver that human right of a clean, healthy, safe environment. Yeah, he's looking at it from a complex systems point of view. Um, He won the prize for 
understanding the interaction between disorder and fluctuations in physical systems. Um, I'm not sure I understand what that means, but anyway. Um, but his point that he made very, very clearly was that humanity has to make essential choices. And he talked about how, for example, GDP includes things like tobacco, uh, the effects of air pollution, all of those things are counted in GDP, so it's not really compatible with having a livable planet. Speaking of GDP, uh, we had the budget uh, for 2022 announced in Ireland this week. Anna, what was in there from a climate perspective? Yeah, well, there's obviously we had a lot of coverage of the budget all week. Um, there were a few sort of striking things that I noted from a climate perspective. Um, one was that Pascal Donoghue warned that the world is burning. So it was quite dramatic language that he used. But he got a bit of criticism for saying that carbon tax was the main response to that. Um, there were provisions made for retrofitting, um, carbon taxes going up, more um, charges on petrol and on VRT for cars. And then an interesting initiative on the youth travel card, where travel will be cheaper or half price for people up to the age of 24 on public on public transport. Yeah, which I personally have mixed feelings about, because on the one hand... Is that because you're too old, Dara? <laughs> um, so on the one hand, it's a positive development, and it's something that Corlin and Nog were pushing for. So it's great to see that the youth involvement in our democratic process is actually bearing fruit. But then on the other hand, why is this ticket not for everyone? Uh, so in Malta this week, it was announced that there's free bus transport for everyone, free public bus transport. Uh, I think that's kind of the level of ambition we need. And then there's part of it for me is that it's kind of like, well, the older people have their cars, so we leave them at it. And the young people need to get on the public transport and they're the ones that are going to solve everything, which isn't really the case. But yeah, no one no one is above public transport. It's, it's for everyone um, and everybody should be encouraged to take it, not just... Um, people who have low incomes yeah there's a lovely quote i don't know it exactly but it's along the lines of you judge a country you judge how developed a country is not by the fact that the poor people have cars but the fact that the rich people are using public transport iconic that's a great quote um but it's clearly also from a budget point of view it was a trying to attract the youth vote and the coalition are obviously concerned about that so when you think about cheap travel and then you throw in free contraceptives i mean what could go wrong that's good climate action as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah i guess i guess one of the problems with the budget is that it can sometimes be overly focused on the carbon tax on the numbers of the emissions and getting them down and we've already said that climate action needs to be far broader than that and kira so you were looking at sort of a poll that was looking at the youth's yeah. Uh, perspective on this. Yeah, so climate action isn't all about money. Um, and I think that's a, a shift that hopefully this podcast can inspire. Um, but yeah, two, so two thirds of, of Irish children have said that they want to study climate change at school, um, which is awesome. And that's a, that's a shift that we could see happen um, that isn't about increasing taxes or increasing um, individual responsibility. Um, so yeah, a shocking 77% of kids said that they were worried about the impact of climate change. I mean, that is a, a, a staggering statistic. Um, 
And then the teenage activist, uh, Flossie Donnelly, if you know her, she does the clean coasts. I do, Flossie um, the beach cleaner. Flossie the beach cleaner. Um, she said that it's a personal goal of hers to see environmentalism taught as a core subject on the Irish curriculum. And I fully support Flossie yeah, in that. That would be great. Yeah, she's very inspiring. That's in contrast with the Irish Times poll that we saw a few days before that, Kira, where they, they asked questions like would you be in favour of more tax or would you be in favour of giving up your car and guess what people overwhelmingly said they weren't in favour of that so it's all about really the question you ask isn't it absolutely I mean if you were to ask are you in favour of clean air are you in favour of a 15 minute city I think I know what the answers would be yeah yeah and uh, yeah and I think we and with climate action in general we can't lose sight of the fact of the consequences of inaction and I think that's something that you noted uh, with some comments from John Fitzgerald as well, Anna. Yeah, John Fitzgerald was warning in the Business Post at the weekend that it's going to be very hard, especially on households, to meet our climate targets and there's going to be a lot of cost involved. And, you know, he's probably right about that, but he, it wasn't balanced by the cost of not taking action. And so, but, but I think it's starting to get real now for people as we, you know, we've got the climate action plan, we've got the budget. So I think the fact now we need to take action. It's going to start getting real for people. But interestingly, there was a big study in The Guardian of about 22,000 people in the UK who are overwhelmingly in favour of climate action and more taxes, uh, levies on flights, etc. You know, so, so I think there is more public support out there than maybe that Irish Times poll reflected. A- absolutely. I think that the... the- the good thing about that Guardian article is that it framed it in terms of the positive outcomes that can come from climate action. Um, the Irish Times one definitely was a feeling of things getting harder and giving up and and charging more. Um, but one of my favourites from the from the Guardian article was um, 80% support for less intensive farming and paying farmers to improve nature and include, uh, which includes woodlands. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, I really think we need to be looking at stuff with a wider lens, like you have just said there, um, and not just focusing on the carbon tax. And another thing to keep in mind is a study from the International Energy Agency this week that said with all the current plans to cut global carbon emissions, they will fall 60% short of their 2050 net zero target. So while the measures announced in the budget this week in Ireland are positive, they're a step in the right direction, we have our, our Minister for Finance accepting how bad of a situation it is, the action proposed is still way short of where we need to be and where we need to get to. And as the opinion polls say, what are far short of what the people want. That 60% is a big yikes for me. It is. It, it kind of reminds me of when you sign up to do a marathon and you download a training plan. And then after about three weeks, you're going, oh, these long runs are really killing me. And like it's it's a long-term plan. It's not just good enough to have a plan. You have to take the actions and, and do the training, you know, to be successful. I think yeah. that marathon analogy is actually great because it is a marathon and it's not a sprint. And if that 60% tells us anything, it tells us that we need system change. Yeah. And we need to be looking at things through a different lens because what we've come up with now is 60% short of what we need. Yeah, David O'Doherty has a song about life and he has a, a, a line that says, life is a marathon, not a sprint. 
but it's the kind of marathon you have to sprint through. And that's, uh, and that's what climate action is, I'm afraid. Hurry! But. I was going to say, Kira is sounding like a Nobel physicist there um, with, with her you, system Anna. change requirements. You know. Yeah, but it's so important that this physicist has come out and said that because it's not something that uh, wild, crazy people that are out of touch with reality are saying. It's people that are in touch with the physical reality of our world that are saying it. And speaking of people that are in touch with reality or maybe not in touch with reality that brings us to our non-climate news story this week and I think you had a couple of contenders Anna what was the best one? I had a couple of good ones this week Dara Um, the first one was about our friend Nigel Farage ex-UKIP and Brexiteer um, in the UK and Nigel um, got a bit caught out this week. I don't know if you saw the video. I did. I did. I saw it yeah. numerous times. Well, I have to say I watched it several times myself just for pure enjoyment. Um, but M- Nigel, apparently one of his gigs now is he takes money to send um, happy birthday messages to people. So so Nigel was, uh, I want to say conned, I don't know if it's the right word, but he was um, paid by some Irish person to say happy birthday to their friend and in the course of doing that he toasted the friend and finished off with a rousing up the ra. I hope you enjoy a few pints with the lads tonight. Up the ra. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so Anna, what does this have to do with climate change i don't know but i just needed to include that story this week dara <laughs> um no i mean look at i mean it's an example of um someone with influence or a celebrity you know taking money to say something that they either don't understand or don't believe in unless nigel is a secret ra supporter which i doubt um you know so it's just an example and we see that all the time in in climate areas too Yeah, we do see it all the time in climate areas and there's been a notable example of that in the last number of weeks in Ireland with a car company's new SUV being endorsed by a number of celebrities who are talking up its sustainability credentials because it's a plug-in hybrid. So the parallel is that there are people being paid to say something which probably doesn't align with their values. I assume the celebrities do care about the planet, um, but we've talked about the scale of the challenge we're facing in this news roundup today and I don't think buying an SUV to do the school run is going to cut it whether it's a hybrid or not unfortunately so that's it from the newsroom this week at the climate alarm clock Anna will be back for part two of the meme bog story and Kira will be back with the Irish Enviro event guide and also coming up Ellen explains the biodiversity crisis and Cara from the Book of Leaves continues her collaboration with us with a chat with Alex Kanyechka but first, on to the second of our collaborations. We are blessed with writers, researchers, presenters and collaborators to the extent that we didn't even get to fit in all of our team in last week's episode. Personally, I'm thrilled to have Irish Doctors for Environment contributing to this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I'll be chatting to different members of IDE to find out about the connections between human health and the health of the planet. This week, though, we're going to hear from Dr. Aoife Kirk about the work that IDE do and about the concept of planetary health. My name is Dr. Aoife Kirk, and I'm here today to introduce you to Irish Doctors for Environment, a group which is a branch of health professionals in Ireland who aim to create awareness of the links between health and climate change 
otherwise known as Plantry Health. Our members come from various specialties in medicine, surgery and general practice, as well as allied health professionals such as scientists, physiotherapists, nutritionists and pharmacists. The World Health Organization has named climate change as one of the greatest threats to global health. It is feared that without effective, swift mitigation and adaptation across societies in the world, it is likely to undo the last 50 years of gains in public health. Health impacts include morbidity and mortality due to extreme weather events, for example, floods, heat waves, increased infectious diseases. Unfortunately, of course, we have seen with COVID-19 how quickly an infectious pathogen can travel across our globalized world. Indirect health impacts include those related to food and water insecurity, such as undernutrition, disruption of healthcare services, mental health ramifications, and even increased conflict. Irish Doctors for the Environment has been involved in a wide breadth of activities since its inception in 2018, early 2019. Examples of the work we have carried out include working within our hospitals and GP practices to make practices more sustainable, successfully campaigning for local and national initiatives, for example, improving cycle routes, participating in global climate strikes, and working alongside international NGO groups and national groups, for example, the Climate and Health Alliance, Healthcare Without Harm and Plantary Health Alliance. We're also involved in the European Public Health Conference in November 2021, where we'll be hosting a shared pre-conference event with the Royal College of Surgeons Ireland on climate change. And at both a national and international level, we strive for improving policy through submissions to public consultations and directly engaging with government representatives, along with hospital management and policymakers. Irish Doctors for Environment is a group that was originally formed out of a concern about the impact of environmental degradation, biodiversity loss and climate change will have on human health. However, we're also incredibly motivated by the health co-benefits that could be realised through effective mitigation and adaptation, which mean cleaner air, greener cities, healthier diets and healthier population. If you'd like to get involved with us or just want to learn more, please check out our website at www.ide.ie, sign up for a newsletter or check out any of our social media channels, including our Twitter account at irishdocs.env. We hope you can join us on this journey. That was Dr. Aoife Kirk there. And I just love that last bit about the co-benefits. We hear so much about needing to reduce emissions and big transitions in our way of life. Um, But to have an increasing number of doctors now pointing out that these actions make us healthier in the process is a great message coming from people who really know what they're talking about. And speaking of which, Kira Tiernan really knows her way around the Irish Enviro event scene. So here is Kira. With the Irish Enviro Event Guide. Hello and welcome to the Irish Enviro Event Guide for the 16th of October to the 27th. You can tune in to County Carlo's Blackstairs Nature Biodiversity Day, which is a live streamed event taking place tomorrow, Saturday the 16th from 9.30 to 5 at Huntington Castle. There will be conversations on topics of ecology, water, farming and more. Register via blackstairsnature.com. 
There are pop-up sales happening every weekend in varying locations nationwide from now until the end of November. You can shop secondhand and vintage clothing and pay by the kilo. Every kilo bought is a kilo diverted from landfill. Follow KiloGarm on eventbrite.ie for more. Listen to Young Voices for Town Regeneration in Tralee, County Kerry. This event, organised by the Museum of Childhood Ireland, showcases the voices of children who contribute to policy making and planning practice. It takes place on Monday the 18th of October from 2 to 5 in Tralee Square. Register through eventbrite.ie. Show your solidarity with school children by joining Fridays for Future Dublin in their global climate strike on Friday the 22nd of October starting at 1pm. If you're over the age of 21, you can volunteer as an event steward. Follow at schoolstrikes.ie on Twitter for more. If you're interested in sustainable agriculture, the Burren Bio Trust are hosting a series of online and in-person events from Wednesday the 20th to Sunday the 24th as part of the Burren Wintered School Programme. In-person events will include farm walks, music and poetry. Check out farmingfornature.ie for more. You can attend an environmentally themed evening as part of Clonus Film Festival in County Monaghan on Saturday the 23rd of October from 4 to 6. This event will be hosted by local environmentalist Brian O'Donnell and will screen Irish language pollinator film Plan B and the short documentary The Kilruski Lock Cluster. Tickets are €5 and available on eventbrite.ie. The Irish Wildlife Trust Dublin are hosting an annual guided event in the Phoenix Park on Sunday the 24th of October at 11am. You will learn about and hopefully see deer put on a display of their maleness as they literally lock horns to show who is the most fitting mate. Check out Irish Wildlife Trust's website for details. And lastly, Carlo Public Participation Network are hosting a community check-in and expo with speakers on climate change, community engagement after COVID, social inclusion and wellness. This event takes place on the 27th of October from 6 to 8 at Talbot Hotel Carlo. Refreshments on arrival and registration is for free via eventbrite.ie. That's it for this week's events. If you know of any upcoming events, be sure to get in touch with us at climatealarmclock at gmail.com. And links for each of these events can be found in the description of this podcast's episode. Um, some great events there this week. Lots of them linked to biodiversity, which Ellen will be talking about a little later here on the Climate Alarm Clock, Ireland's weekly climate news podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. If you have a story to share, a climate event to promote or would like to collaborate with us, you can email us on climatealarmclock at gmail.com. And also coming up, we continue our collaboration with Carol from the Book of Leaves. But now for the next part of the meme bog bog slide story from Anna and some new characters entering the story, the data centres. Last week we heard about the mean bog wind farm in County Donegal and the bog slide there. It was called a catastrophic event by environmental agencies and the full extent of the damage is still not known. This week we're going to look at what high-tech data centres have to do with bogs in Ireland. If you leave Dublin on the M3, heading northwest towards Cavan and eventually Donegal, you'll pass a huge grey building in Clonee. 
It looks like a vast, dull factory or warehouse, as big as several football fields. There's no visible branding or any indication of what happens inside the building. This is one of the many data centres being built around the country. They are the physical manifestation of the cloud, where our vast amounts of online data are stored, processed and managed. One of the challenges identified in 2019's Climate Action Plan is that electricity needs are forecast to increase by 50% within a decade. The government's plan also said that data centres will be a big part of that growth, potentially using up to one-third of our electricity by 2030. No wonder we've been hearing some objections to data centre expansion recently. Environmental groups estimated that one centre planned for Ennis would consume electricity that's the equivalent of 210,000 homes and would use 1 million litres of water a day. Concerns about data centres are not just coming from environmental groups. The utilities regulator told the Oireachtas in early October that electricity demand growth from this sector is unlike anything Ireland has seen in the past 100 years. Airgrid, the national grid operator, has warned that what it calls the unprecedented scale of proposed data centres could actually lead to power cuts this winter. We've all become very familiar with companies like Amazon, which has profited hugely from online shopping during the pandemic. Amazon is one of the companies that has been building a network of data centres in Ireland. But they've announced that theirs will be 100% powered by renewable energy. And that's where the link between Amazon and Meanbog comes in. Any wind energy generated from Meanbog and from other wind farms in Galway and Cork will be bought by Amazon. So if the company's data centres are all run on renewable energy, then what's the problem? Well, it's clear there was a problem at Meanbog. Building wind farms on peatlands is problematic for many reasons. And there we saw what happens when the bog is destabilised as the peat flowed downhill, polluting rivers and killing fish. An experienced wind developer told me that we shouldn't be building any more wind farms in uplands in the west. In his words, the mean bog slide was a disgrace and it paints the whole wind sector in a negative light. The 2019 Climate Action Plan set a goal of 70% of electricity being from renewables by 2030. And recently, Minister Eamon Ryan has upped that renewables target to 80%. This means a lot more wind turbines up and operating in the very near future. With all of these challenges, where will all this wind energy be generated? We'll have to take a closer look at that next week. That's part two of four of Anna's compelling mean bog story. Join us next week for part three here on the Climate Alarm Clock. Now it's over to Ellen for a science explainer, this week looking at biodiversity. For our science explainer this week, we're discussing the biodiversity crisis. And to do that, we first need to understand what biodiversity is and why it's so important. Broadly speaking, biodiversity refers to the variety of life on Earth. This includes everything from the diversity of genes within a species to the diversity of species within an ecosystem and the diversity of ecosystems themselves. 
Our planet has a range of ecosystems, like forests, peatlands and deserts, and it's estimated that over 8 million plant and animal species live in them. Healthy, biodiverse ecosystems are essential for life on Earth as we know it. They provide food, clean water and clean air. They cycle essential nutrients, create new soil, provide flood controls, absorb carbon and decompose dead matter. The list goes on and on. But of course nature is not static, it is complex and dynamic. Storms, floods and volcanic eruptions all affect species and ecosystems in the places they occur. And throughout human history, people have interacted with and impacted on the world around them. Healthy biodiversity makes ecosystems more resilient to these pressures. But something has changed. The speed and scale of human activities has exploded, especially since the mid-20th century. And many species and ecosystems are no longer given the time or space they need to replenish, regrow and regenerate. As a result, our planet is losing biodiversity at an unprecedented rate, with over a million species now threatened with extinction. The biggest driver of biodiversity loss is habitat destruction from activities like deforestation. This mostly happens to create agricultural land. Another major cause is over-exploitation, like overfishing. Pollution, invasive species and climate change also contribute to biodiversity loss. The natural world has declined so much that by weight, 96% of all mammals are either humans, livestock or pets. Wild mammals make up just 4%. It's pretty shocking. The climate and biodiversity crises are separate but connected. For example, when we cut down a forest, we remove an important habitat and also an important carbon sink. Here in Ireland, we depict ourselves as a green country of pristine environments. But this isn't really the case. Over 90% of habitats assessed here are in an unfavourable condition and over 200 species are either critically endangered or endangered. We are the most deforested country in Europe, with native woodland covering only 2% of our land surface. Unless we radically change how we view and interact with the natural world, we are in danger of losing iconic species like the curlew, corncrake and puffin. Not to mention less well-known examples, like the freshwater pearl mussel, the angel shark, and 30 species of bee. And their loss is our loss. By failing to protect our biodiversity, we are failing to protect ourselves. That's Ellen Hegarty there, who personally, I think, just has a great talent for delivering bad news in a very listenable and eloquent way. Um, on a positive note for biodiversity, the National Parks and Wildlife Service budget was actually restored to pre-crash levels this week. Um, so while it could obviously still do with more funding, it is a step in the right direction. If you would like to help biodiversity but don't know where to start, you can listen back to last week's episode where Kali Ennis gives some tips on making space for nature in your garden. You can just get out into nature and appreciate what's still out there. Or... You could become a member of Birdwatch Ireland or the Irish Wildlife Trust, which costs 30 and 40 euro respectively. 
That money helps to fund their important campaigning and research work around nature conservation and you get some lovely perks in return, including quarterly magazines. And as well as that, by being a member, they're advocating on your behalf and the more members they have, the stronger their voice is. And the last thing you can do for biodiversity this week is you can check out farmingfornature.ie forward slash awards forward slash voting to learn about the amazing work some farmers are doing around the country for nature. And voting for this year's awards is open to the public until the 22nd of October. And we're going to stick to what you can do about climate change now by handing over to Cara from the Book of Leaves podcast. And the action she was told about this week is a little more abstract than the kind of actions I've just been discussing. Hi everyone. This week I am going to share a snippet of a conversation I had with Alex Konyechka, who is a ecologist and environmentalist. They hosted a foraging walk in Wicklow last weekend, which you would have heard advertised as well in the last episode. But not every leaf that we take out of people's books is all practical tips like using a keep cup or swapping to a bamboo toothbrush. Some of it is kind of about mindset change rather than practical changes as well and Alex had a really good leaf to share about a mindset change so I will let Alex share her leaf and hopefully you get something out of it. So Alex can you share with us your leaf that you would suggest people add to their own book? Sure I think the basis for tackling climate change or living eco in general is to understand your own values and beliefs because when we are conscious of other living things I think it's only instinctive then that we feel empathy for the planet and other beings and then start making choices that don't do any harm so that means you become more grateful and appreciative And then it's no longer about what's trending on social media. It's like not about getting these like beautiful jars to create a zero waste kitchen, you know, like you kind of can identify what is real and what's not uh, yourself without having to follow anyone. Um, And I also think it kind of inspires your own projects and your own like, you know, making your own change in the world. So, you know, you're not just buying like whatever, you know, you see on social media. Uh, so I think that's probably my leaf that I could offer to others. That's nice. Oh, that's so that's so lovely. Getting in touch with your own values and doing thing doing things for yourself. I think it'll probably last longer that way. Yeah, I think lovely. it can have more of an impact because, like, I guess if you're like, I think social media is amazing, but then sometimes if you're, I don't know, like, you can't be inspired by it, but you can also be like feeling bad because you're comparing yourself so like I know when I saw like I love zero waste and stuff but I think it was a phase of like zero waste everything that everything is like in glass now and you know like it's not about throwing everything you own out and replacing it Uh, it's more about like doing the actual sustainability thing (laughs) that might not be pretty you know you might be using like jars that you had for 10 years you know Um, So I think it's just a little bit different between like what looks sustainable and what is sustainable. And you can identify that yourself if you're in tune with yourself. Nice. 
So there you go, guys. Explore your own values and carry out actions that align yourself with them. And I guess they will last longer, be true to you and possibly save you money in the long run as well. And as I said, Alex will be on this upcoming episode of Book of Leaves if you want to hear more of her story. But make sure to follow her on understory underscore IE on Instagram to keep up to date with her shenanigans. See you next week. Cara Carney there with a more abstract but equally important climate action this week. And if you'd like to hear her full chat with Alex, you can tune into the latest episode of Book of Leaves coming out this Monday, the 18th of October. That's it from the Climate Alarm Clock this week. Lots of biodiversity-related actions came up in this week's episode. You can join Birdwatch Ireland or the Irish Wildlife Trust or check out some of the amazing events in the Irish Enviro Event Guide. If you would like to support us by paying me to say happy birthday to a friend of yours, uh, that's not a service we offer, unfortunately, but you can really help us out by reviewing the podcast, sharing it and telling your friends. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. You can email us on climatealarmclock at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be back with the news, features and events and we'll have a new sustainable business feature from Kira Daly and we chat with Daniel Murray from the Sunday Business Post about data centres. Till next week, goodbye.